0: Come and go and I'm forever grateful Come and tell me long and slow Exactly what I wait for Better times, yeah, better times Somehow I don't believe it I built a house up long ago Just to up and it All right, let me set the scene for you here. I just got done running the dogs, and uh, we've got camp chairs, boundary waters table, and a goal zero with all the podcasting equipment plugged in. And there's a gravel slash sandy road leading off into the horizon. The skies are a little bit cloudy. We've been dodging raindrops, so hopefully the... uh, The weather gods let us record this podcast without getting dumped on. Um, We have a great conversation for you on this episode. A little bit of bird dog talk and a major public hunting access announcement for the state of South Dakota. Joining me for this conversation, welcoming back Jared Wicklin, director of of Communications for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever Jake Hansen Development Officer for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever and Ben Bredigan making his uh, on the wing podcast debut um, from Onyx uh, the regional manager for Onyx Hunt uh, so we'll go around the horn fellas first of all thank you very much Been a bit a uh, fun morning running dogs with all of you um go around the horn and have you introduce yourselves i, I know jared you've been on number I of have. times but if folks are coming in for the first time uh tell folks <coughs> who you are and, and let me first congratulate you um director of communications is a new title
1: oh thank you thank you yeah i appreciate it i've i've been here 13 years and um Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever. For anybody that's listened to the podcast before, and maybe anybody that's new, new listeners, is I, I'm just all in for the Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever mission. So I, I handle a lot of uh, internal and external communications now for Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever. Um, I've got great, great staffers that I work with. Great boss, by the way, Mr. St. <laughs> Pierre. Um, you, you already had your review. <laughs> that's done already. Uh, but no, I, I, I do a, a number of different things, uh, you know, media outreach or media stories, the internal communication side. Um, I do host a few media hunts. We're going to talk about um, one specifically that I've done a couple different times um, with what we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. today um, and uh, just do my best to to put the organization in the best light possible and really talk about our mission work and our chapters and the people that make it all possible. And we're going to talk uh, a lot about that today.
0: Uh, I mentioned we are running bird dogs. We're in an undisclosed location in Wisconsin, yet we have a South Dakotan with us. <laughs> Jake Hansen, welcome back to the podcast. This is uh, episode three or four?
2: I think three. Okay. Three officially.
0: Because w- the first one, you were a volunteer at the Terry redland Museum, right? Yes. And, and that was uh, one of our... Rare, um, audience, (laughs) audience, live podcast. podcast. That was the first one. And then Rooster Road Trip, you were on at least one at the Terry Redland WPA.
2: Yeah. And then actually as a, you know, a step before that was, it was listening to your first podcast at the Redland Center Mm. is when I said, I kind of want to volunteer, So as you were with Erica at the time and the staff at the Redland Center, I was listening to that episode and that's what caused me to reach out and then all of a sudden I'm joining a podcast at the Redland Center. And then I'm doing a podcast at the Redland Game Production Area, <laughs> which but
0: led you to make make the joke before say, it turned record. If I'm going
2: to be on this podcast again, it's going to be outside of the state of South Dakota <laughs> and it doesn't have anything to do with Redland.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I there There might be some conservation funding that Terry Redland helped create for uh, Wisconsin, but uh yeah, I don't think it's any any connection here um but tell tell folks what you do for the organization now
2: yeah, um so I am a development officer with the organization, and my primary region is the Dakotas and Nebraska uh so you know the title development officer. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've got the privilege of working with a number of very generous individuals who share this love of upland hunting and conservation that I think we all do and probably every listener uh, to this podcast has as well. So I get to work with them and their generosity in supporting our mission. Um, You know, that might look like uh, an individual that wants to support philanthropically Peasants Forever through an elite membership. It might look like somebody thinking about making this deferred or planned gift um, in their estate plans or in their will or in a bequest. It might look like somebody that wants to make an impactful, you know, uh, in, an impact on one of our programs through a gift of, you know, appreciated stock or it might look like a gift of land. Um, but my, what my favorite part of that job is Hearing the stories of why people care, why people love the uplands, why Mm -hmm. people uh, love conservation, and most often why people love bird dogs.
0: Mm. (laughs) Which includes everybody around the table. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll tie everything together as to why we have a... uh, South Dakota and in Wisconsin talking on the podcast today, uh, but making his uh, lid lifter debut. I said lid lifter the other day in the office, and people gave me a weird look, like "What the heck are you talking about?" So that that's my baseball reference. Have you ever heard of the of the lid lifter Ben?
3: I haven't heard it in a while. That was
0: that <laughs> the was, old guy around the yeah. <laughs> table, apparently, huh? So in in baseball, we always call opening day the lid lifter. Oh, <laughs> so gotcha. So th- thank Thank you very much for joining. Uh, this is your first episode. You've been uh, Onyx has been sponsoring the podcast for a number, number of years, so thank you very much, A, for the support, but B, for making your way out to Wisconsin to, to break some news with
3: us. Yeah, well, anytime someone says, hey, you want to come on a podcast and run dogs, it's like, <laughs> mm, yeah, of course, but... I hate to break it to you Jake, I have no affiliation with any sort of Terry Redland thing. So I don't, I, I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Only hope. I have Bob better have a script or something cuz like I'm I don't have much to talk about there. Tell folks
0: what you do at Onyx.
3: Yeah, so I uh at Onyx I oversee everything that's essentially wing shooting. So uh, the upland and waterfowl side of our business, but I am a very very passionate bird hunter, mm-hmm. so Um, I I tend to do a lot in that realm. So anything from working with uh, ambassadors to obviously, you know, our relationship with Pheasants Forever, uh, and then as well as uh, the product side, right, making sure that our customers have what they need to be successful, um, whether they're hunting chucker out in the mountains or right here in the Wisconsin grouse woods.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So Onyx has been around since how long? Mm-hmm.
3: It's been, I think, 11 years, 12 years. I can't like think that.
0: of, you know, I, I often think about fishing and technology and how much sonar changed the world. From, from hunting and technology, there's, I can't think of anything that's been more significant in changing the world for hunters than Onyx. I mean, can, can you, Jared? No, I, you know, with the technology that
1: we have now, um, you're able to go to these places that you you never could before. At least at least myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm finding patches of of woods um, and places in um, in pheasant country that um, are accessible now because you can look at them in real time and be able to map a way out to find how to get to them. Yeah, and that's that's uh, that's pretty cool.
3: And and the, if you think about it, imagine 25, 30 years ago, whatever um you're going out hunting let's just say we want to take a trip to montana or wyoming mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. Re- i was thinking about this is like the really the only way you would ever go out and do that is if you somebody had already been out there that had mm-hmm. done it before somebody lived out there or you got intel from somebody and now it's just like you know you throw a pin on the map and it's like let's let's try it like mm-hmm. we, we've got so much technology at our fingertips. Fingertips and it's just really empowered a lot of people to to go out try new things, which is fantastic to see.
0: So I'll I'll come back to Onyx for um, just a minute. I I do want to ask um, you have a unique story can, that connects with Travis Frank, mm-hmm. who's been on the podcast a number of times, the host of the Flush. Like you guys basically just grew up down the street together, and in, in um, uh what's the name waconia waconia
3: i knew yep. it was a w yep so yeah it's, it's funny we were talking about it this morning how small of a world it is yeah. and and so growing up i actually worked at the marina and i was uh young 14 13 On years Lake old like waconia yep and travis was five years older than me and so he'd come in and and we just talked fishing and i got to know him and started hanging out and fishing together and uh always stayed in touch and then I moved down to Mississippi, came back and and he had been working for actually the first time, first time I took Travis out or Travis and I went I took Travis out in my boat is we actually had Mitch Petrie with who huh. who was at the time was at Ron Shera. Yep. And that was kind of like first intro type deal so it was like, oh, so I was there from the beginning of no <laughs> Travis's okay. Shera. We just
0: had Mitch on the sh- on the on the podcast talking about the um the season premiere of The Flush and Outdoor Channel. And he yeah. told the story about going fishing with yeah. Travis. That's, yeah, and <laughs> once again, small world. And, and um, you, you worked for Minnesota Sporting Journal for a while. Yeah, right. And then you went to Primos, and that was what brought you to Mississippi.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I, I had done the did the magazine route. Then I actually worked for In Depth Outdoors and filmed ice fishing shows. And that's so that's right. That's right. Like PTSD. <laughs> Like 26 weeks all winter long, every single week. And so I was like, hmm, let's move from the furthest northern point in the country to, like, dang near the furthest south. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I will not see ice down there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Bird
0: dogs. That's what we were doing um, just before we hit record. So I'd like to just go around the horn a little bit, have you each tell me about your dog breed name and what you're working on and what you saw um you know how, how your dog did today so we'll start with uh jared and Jaxie.
1: yeah Jaxie jacksonian um i've got jackson he is a 11 and a half year old uh english pointer or pointer however whatever connotation people mm-hmm. want to use but um you know Jaxie's getting older uh he's a he's a veteran he's a senior bird dog um you know i don't I don't get as much time as I'd like to, honestly, throughout the summer um, leading into fall to work them. So this was great to have them come up here. But I find that, you know, when you get dogs that are, are that old and have that many seasons under their belt, um, it's, it's kind of easy for them just to click and go and they yeah i i know what i'm looking for and i know what i need so we had a nice run uh the first run we we walked for well we all walked for an hour and i got into uh two adult birds and uh Jackson pointed them and i got them got them on video uh going up and going up and flushing them and and then uh we did one smaller run here and uh i think uh Jake and I were together and we got up one more sharp tail and that uh that was our our run for day it was it was very it was very nice it was great to be outside and watch watch the old man do his work so <laughs>
0: Uh, and going around the table. Uh, it, so, Ben, you have a monster
3: rig with uh, <laughs> eight holes yeah. for eight dogs, You so you're halfway there. Yes, <laughs> and I, I'm I'm working my my hardest at filling them, but uh, <laughs> if anyone's renting like out a room where that I could have eight dogs in, because I will be kicked out of my house. <laughs> uh-huh. So so what are the four pups
0: you had with you this morning?
3: So so the dogs I had this morning, uh, my oldest is Annie, who's a deutsch draut Um, And she had a spinal stroke probably three, four years ago Mm -hmm. now. So she doesn't get along great. One back legs a little, drags a little bit. But she's got, I mean, all bird dogs, they've just got a ridiculous amount of heart. Mm -hmm. They don't want to stop. So she came on that shorter run and just loving life, acting like she was three years old. So uh, then I've got a six-year-old or seven-year-old drought, Herb. Named after Herb Brooks. That was that was the funny thing about I got him when I was in Mississippi and everyone's like who's Herb Brooks? <laughs> like I don't get it. <laughs> uh, so uh then I've got Amos So for folks that are listening and
0: might not know oh. who Herb Brooks I I know, like I we all know who Herb Brooks is, but you know, so give us the Miracle on Ice nineteen eighty um gold medal,
3: right? Yeah. So yeah, Herb Brooks, Minnesota native. Just, I mean, he's a legend mm-hmm. in these parts, so if you don't know who he is, go watch the movie Miracle, do some Googling, just mm-hmm. tremendous career in hockey, so, Gophers, the Olympic team, yeah, it was- Huskies. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs> Can't forget about the Huskies. <laughs> uh, yep, so, uh, and he is a, he's a machine, he's a hell of a pheasant dog, mm. Um so yeah, fun, fun dog. And then moving on is Amos, who is a two, just turned, he's about two and a half year old pointer, English pointer, whatever you want to call him. And um, that is a dog that really, I mean, it's it's my first, I would consider true bird dog, like we were talking, not necessarily versatile dog. So uh, it was a whole new learning curve with him. He is just a fur missile. Hmm. I mean, I saw a couple of times he touched like seven, eight hundred yards today, hmm. and I was trying to hack on him, but he's just a really fun dog, really exciting dog to run behind.
0: Seven hundred or eight hundred—that's a ways. Out. Wow! <laughs> yeah. So you're just watching on the screen.
3: <laughs> yeah, pretty much yeah. out here. Like it, it, when you're out west, it's nice because you can—you just see a little white speck roll across the prairie. Eventually, he'll kind of come back. But
0: do you do horseback uh, running
3: and all? I i have done a little bit i want to do more Uh i actually have done i did a trial out in north dakota with them and that was really fun yeah it takes a lot of dog to run horseback though well your dogs are running seven eight hundred guys you (laughs) might have enough dog (laughs) there (laughs) yeah so uh lastly is is i've got a five-month-old english setter named fred and this is uh yeah, he he's young pup, mm-hmm. just kinda getting out here and really just experiencing everything. Experiencing life on the road. Mm. Uh, hitting new different types of cover so it's just fun to see him I mean he's still a derpy puppy right He'll he'll run around we got into a few birds and and he he'd chase after him, and then all of a sudden he'd see a butterfly just like <laughs> he's got he's
1: got an awesome personality he came back and there was there was a fly bothering him you know and he's standing at one <laughs> spot trying trying to catch it so yeah he's got a great personality That was my
0: like my little brother playing left field in little league <laughs> <laughs> Oh there's a butterfly <laughs> yeah,
3: it, it's funny cuz Amos came out of the wound just like bird heat seeking missile uh-huh. and then fred's like oh this is fun yeah. i like this that's bird funny. stuff <laughs> um so yeah just that's kind of a, a rat pack i got a little bit of everything so but we had a good day we had a really good day started off running amos and fred and amos had uh had it started with a stop to flush uh found a single and then had a, a broke covey fine for our first run uh, all adult birds in cool. that one then we made a short loop here and he stuck a really nice covey of young birds, probably 15 birds, wow. and and there was a brood of birds with, I mean, there were, I think there were four, three, four, five adult, or four adults in there, and then some young ones, so that right. was, uh, cool. that was super fun, and then kicked out a single right by the truck, so it was a very productive day. Good morning.
0: Yeah. All right, tell us about Jeb. Jeb, Jeb.
2: Jeb, with a Jeb. P. Jeb. Yep, with a P. So, I think... Since I've been on this podcast last, I've doubled my dog power, Mm. um, and uh, but I've only brought one today, and that's Jep, my six-year-old German short-haired pointer. And um, doubling my dog power was intentional because I had a lot of injuries with Jep last year, Mm. Uh, paw injuries uh, especially, and they started right away in our first hunt of the season when we were in Wyoming. So my intent here today. know, not only to join you, but was uh, a couple of things I wanted to work with him on. And one was conditioning. And I was anticipating this to be a little bit warmer. Mm. uh, But as we all gathered this morning, we had to sit in our vehicles for a few minutes, Right, a little rain, rain, which was much needed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't really get my heat conditioning in. This morning, but, uh, it's always good in this type of terrain, which is a little bit different than South Dakota, mm-hmm. just working on that paw conditioning. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, building up a tolerance here as sure. the season's only about a month away. So, and it's always good to get the, the dog on live birds. So we've yeah. been, we've been tossing a lot of dummies all summer long. So it was pretty exciting for him today to to, to flush <laughs> some, a few grouse.
0: Get some, uh, <laughs> nose cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, All right, Uh, you know, since Ben's here, um, we're going to make this shout-out to Onyx Hunt Extra Special, Uh, and thank you very much for being a national sponsor of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, and a sponsor of On the Wing Podcast. Uh, Folks, for listening, um, you can download the Hunt app for a free 7-day trial and get 20% off by using the code PF qf That's 20% off when you use the code PFQF. And a portion of every um, membership to Onyx comes back in the form of a donation from Onyx to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's Wildlife Habitat Mission. And that leads us into some major news, which is an illustration of... Uh, uh, that statement that Onyx donates back to our to our mission. So, let's start at the beginning, Jared, in 2013, with um, kind of where this where this new breaking news comes from. Yep. So, tell us a little bit about the history of the Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition.
1: For folks that might not be aware, if uh, if you've ever hunted in Aberdeen, perhaps uh, you've seen some big green signs out there on the landscape that say Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition. And what the coalition is, is really uh, Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever's kind of first run in with, with trying to do more com- community-based habitat access programs. So... Um, the The premise is the premise is pretty simple. Um, Emmett, Emmett Lenahan, who was a wonderful farm bill biologi- biologist of ours in the Aberdeen region for a long time, uh, and the Northern South Dakota chapter of Pheasants Forever came together and say. How can we impact our habitat mission while also adding access um, in a place like South Dakota? So uh, Aberdeen as a region has the most access in the state as a whole uh, between walk-in areas, uh, land that's enrolled in CREP um, and, you know, some of the game production areas and waterfall production areas that they have. There's a lot of public land, um, and they know that anytime they can keep adding more public land there, it brings hunters in, and hunters are spending their dollars uh, in the communities and uh, impacting economic activity mm-hmm. um, in that region. So, the chapter decided they came up with this Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition. It's pretty simple. Uh, the chapter put in fifty thousand dollars initially. Um, they went to businesses in town and said, "Hey, we would like uh, we would like businesses, you know, hotels, restaurants." Uh, gas stations, things like that, that benefit from pheasant hunters coming to town, uh, we'd like you to match that at $50,000. we are going to use $100,000 as an incentive uh, to do two things. Uh, number one was en- uh, enroll new CRP acres uh, in the region, so new, new habitat, and all of that new habitat had to be connected to access in one way or another, either through the Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, the Jim River CREP, uh, or the walk and access program, which a lot of people tell you, um, you know, South Dakota has got one of the best walk and access Mm -hmm. programs in the country. And Mm -hmm. that's what people go out there for to hunt, hunt public land roosters. So, um, it's, it's been a, a a wonderful partnership, uh, between the chapter and the local community. Um, they're raising more money right now. I think they're in kind of Aberdeen pheasant coalition 2.0 going in that direction, Um, And they've enrolled a couple thousand acres just in that region of new habitat. That's all connected back to access. And it has been an absolutely wonderful program to make birds, bring hunters into the community and make sure. And we should be paying landowners Mm -hmm. to open their
0: quality habitat to access. All right, Jake, grab the baton from there. So we, we talk about Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition and, you know, that. The concept has been recognized by Outdoor Life, um, received awards, you know, from a variety of media for this really innovative concept to marry a local economy to better wildlife habitat, producing more hunters. (laughs) Then what?
2: So Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition is established. It's gaining traction, momentum, getting people excited. You're you're absolutely right. Outdoor Life provided them with an award, um, a pretty significant award. Open Country open Award. Country open yep. Country Award. That's what it was. Uh, then all of a sudden we had other communities that um, started their own community-based habitat access Cbhap program as well uh, so then Mitchell came on board and started to do the same replicating that model and and having success with that Chamberlain South Dakota did the same and then we had other communities ask how, how do we get this started mm-hmm. so so um, we foreshadowed this. <laughs> You're proud of this part, I am right? proud of this. Cause, so cause what year was this? This was 21, two okay. years ago. Okay. All right. And uh, when we started talking about should we do another recording, especially to announce, you know, what we're going to share with, mm-hmm. with uh, the listeners here in just a few minutes, um, I had to go back. And that was a podcast that we did with Andrew Vabra on the Rooster Road Trip. After a great hunt, at the had, Terry Redlin, at, at the WPA. Terry Redland WPA, right, all comes <laughs> so back yeah, to Terry. There you go. There we, Terry. go. <laughs> we landed that plane, um, <laughs> but we had we had also spent the day before hunting some of those Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition properties. So those private lands enrolled in a public access program in a long-term habitat program as well. And what we had been working on, I was a regional rep at the time uh, in South Dakota, and our state coordinator at the time had been working with our leadership team, um, putting an idea together and hoping that we could manifest that dream of raising a significant amount of funds to impact a significant amount of acres through the same model statewide. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's come to fruition.
0: <laughs> and so so tell us about public access to habitat or PATH.
2: Yeah. so So
0: we need a breaking news sounder. Yeah, i need, i need some sort of click effect here drum roll uh, oh
2: that was good yeah. <laughs> public access to habitat is our statewide program it is a uh, it is a voluntary incentive based program and so here's how it works if you're a landowner and your land qualifies and you have interest in participating in this uh the the prerequisites to to participate, are you're committing to enrolling your land into a long-term conservation program such as CRP, and then you're also enrolling your land and opening it up to the public through South Dakota Game Fish and Parks Walk-in Access Program. Mm-hmm. So where does Pheasants Forever come into play? We're pooling these resources that we're fundraising. And we're providing an extra upfront incentive payment to these landowners, you know. On top of, On top of all of those other payments that you would receive for your conservation program enrollment, for your walk-in access mm-hmm. uh, payment, your upfront payment, and then also to your payment. To make it
0: more lucrative and more competitive yes. for the landowners, knowing that the c- entire community is going to benefit from
2: it. 100%. So... Um, So let me talk a little bit before I get into, you know, what's our goal is what's extraordinary about this program is that if you think about the Pheasants Forever mission, and we talk about these pillars that we have that lift up our mission, that enable us to live into that mission, this program hits on every one of those four pillars. Hmm. Um, Of course, quality habitats at the core of what we Mm do. All right. So this program is quality habitat on the landscape. Mm-hmm. All right. That's at, the, that's at the core of what we're establishing here. Mm-hmm. The next thing, of course, is our second pillar, not in any particular order here, but public access. Mm-hmm. So we're creating more acres across the state uh, that are, you know, accessible to the public for recreation and hunting. Right. This is directly correlated to our advocacy pillar, all right, so it's it's very much uh, supplemental or related to, um, especially the Farm Bill, because one of the important programs in the Farm Bill, not only uh, in addition to CRP, is that voluntary uh,
0: public uh, access yes. habitat incentives program. Yep. VPA so VPA HIP. HIP.
2: Yep. And so and and that's what provides state agencies with a significant amount of funding that they can put into these voluntary programs right exactly so the more funding that the state of south dakota receives for from vpa hip um that's the more opportunities for walk-in access they have we're supplementing that you know we're, Mm -hmm. we're we're helping drive that program and supplement vpa hip and then of course as we create more opportunities for hunting across the landscape in all corners of south dakota um we're creating more opportunities for new hunters mm-hmm. to experience the uplands. And that's one of the most common stories that I hear about as a development officer is public access is so important to us because we hold these memories we have, you know, in the uplands with our bird dogs and our families because of the public access opportunities we had growing up. I hear that all the time from from our generous donors what's what's one of the most common core reasons why they support our organization or they want to be involved in conservation it is because of opportunities to access land. Hmm. And so it hits on all of our mission pillars. Um, and, it's i'm just so excited about this program to see where it's going to go and it's already it's (laughs) launched before we wave that starting flag here in in a number of ways
0: And another person we gotta give a shout out to is matt morlock who who doesn't work for the organization anymore has gone on to work for um nrcs in Mm -hmm. south dakota but a dear friend of all of us and instrumental in in conceptualizing this with the entire south dakota team
2: yeah um I had, a, I had the opportunity to see Matt a few weeks ago for a cup of coffee, and I brought him, as we're sitting here recording this podcast, I brought these copies of our overview of the program that outlines all of the facets of what's going into PATH, and I brought him one of these. And, uh, you know, if he listens to this, of course, he he knows his reaction to it, but all I'll say is he was pretty proud that yeah. this has come together. It was well, a dream for a long time.
0: Yeah, Matt, Matt's been it. Well, has been a terrific coworker and friend for a long time. And I, I Matt, I'm, this is a message that direct message that uh, I am intending to come hunt with you again. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for, for everything that you've done to help us get to this point, Matt.
2: And we'd be amiss to give a shout out to one of Matt's leadership team members when he was the state coordinator, who is still one of our senior farm bill biologists, Tom Zinter, who one day out of the blue called as we were kicking around ideas for names for this program he said well what if we just call it public access to habitat hmm. and at the time i thought that seems a lot simpler than all these crazy names we were throwing <laughs> around and he goes let's call it the path program so he gets the credit for coming up with the name
0: um all right so so somewhere along the way and i don't know this story ben how, how did how did you get first introduced to this concept and tell us about that story and your reaction.
3: Yeah, so it was. I mean, it was a, a kind of a roundabout way that uh, that we got here, and and really, it was just being in the right place at the right time. So, um, you know, we've been longtime partners of, of Pheasants Forever, and absolutely love everything you guys do. I mean, you make a tremendous impact across the entire country. So we are super proud to be a part of it. Um, and and if, if if there's listeners out there that don't know, Onyx uh, from from the beginning has been. Uh, a huge public land access advocate. Um, that is one of our our main. That I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of issues across the outdoor world right now, and we have kind of planted our flag in access. So, yeah, um, you guys have been really instrumental.
0: Landlocked acres yep. and, and supporters of the our efforts for, like you said, a decade. Yeah. So you guys really are active and and very supportive of all public land
3: hunters i didn't mean to cut you off but it's just
0: it's really eye-popping what you guys do to support um the public land hunter yeah
3: so um so yeah like you said that's a good point uh we had the walk-in or sorry we had the landlocked and then we had the corner locked reports and if you don't if you don't know what that is um they're very interesting uh absolutely essentially uh, articles or research reports Uh, you can find them on our website uh obviously we're a gis-based company so we had the opportunity to go and dig into the data and find how many acres of landlocked lands there are, corner-locked uh, lands. So we just happened, our next one happened to be uh, walk-ins. Hmm. So that is, we'll be coming out here uh, in a week or so, a couple <laughs> weeks. So um, it was just a kind of a huh. happy accident. Yeah. So we were, we were <laughs> going through and talking about all the different walk-in lands programs across the country. Okay. Uh, so that was, again, happy accident. So what happened was uh, South Dakota, state of South Dakota, reached out and said, hey, you know, we want to we want to do something with Onyx. And we were kind of racking our brain. And, and myself and a, a coworker, Zach Sandow, were sitting together. And it's like, well, what, what if we just partner and, and create more access, right? Like win-win situation. Sure. We could, I mean, South Dakota can put more acres on. The landscape, and then you know, as can we, it's our, our one of our driving principles. So it's like, oh yeah, let's do that, and and it's like, okay, we'll we'll partner up, and and we didn't know what we were going to do with it. So I, of course, my first call was to Chris Gallis, uh who, who's the
0: director of corporate partner vice president of corporate partnerships yeah. at uh, Pheasants Forever and coil Forever. Yeah. So I
3: called him. I said, hey Chris, I've, we've got this plan with South Dakota, and he had been talking to, with South Dakota as well, and and he's like oh man we've got this this new program it hasn't launched like we don't have anything really yet but we've got this idea and it's happening huh. and we're like oh this sounds interesting and this was i mean i don't know how early on this was but it was like yeah we don't have anything to show you but this is and then they they brought up the you know what at the time I called community based habitat or mm-hmm. habitat access habitat program or whatever and I always thought it would be such an awesome, like, uh, like just so smart to be able to scale that Aberdeen model, mm-hmm. just, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but talk about making wide scale impact across the country. Like it's not one source of funding. Now you have five, 10, 20, 30 different communities that are, are obviously driving economic impact for them. And then by bringing hunters to the area. So it's like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I am all in. And so, South Dakota had, had contributed some money, and, and it's like, well, we need, what was it? Uh, we need 250000 Yeah. I
2: think, well, well, I think that's a good segue into yeah. uh, sharing a little bit about what the goals are. Sure. So, you call Chris Callis. Mm-hmm. Chris calls me and says, hey. Jake, I know that you're working on something. How fast can you get this to <laughs> me? Well, can you get it ready for this fall? So I call a couple members of you know, Bob and Jared's team and say, where are we at in production on this document that outlines this entire program? And when we put this together, our initial goal was to raise $250,000 that would impact at least 10,000 acres, again, of quality habitat, in public access across so South Dakota. So for
0: clarity, impact, open up, create open access up. on 10,000 yep. acres by and adding an additional layer of funding yes. to private landowners.
2: And they're all new acres. So this is all new signups um, into this walk-in access program. Some of these properties could potentially have been in CRP in the past, but all of the eligible acres that we are talking about with PATH are new acres, so this creates a minimum of 10,000 acres enrolled in public access programs.
3: And that's for a a minimum of 10 years?
2: Yes, so we're asking that. That's the long-term commitment, that's the commitment that you make when you enroll your lands into this with the walking access program, and then also, you know, most likely your conservation program as well. So that's 10,000 acres that we will enroll this year that will be on the landscape. At least 10 years. That return on that uh, is is significant. Mm -hmm. And that's just the nuts and bolts. And Jared started to talk about this too, but that Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition model, that CBHAP model, the reason that those are successful is because we can measure that economic impact on rural South Dakota communities. So when you put that quality habitat on the landscape, you have these abundant wildlife populations. And when you have these abundant wildlife populations, people start to find out. I say, right? I'd like to come visit yeah. that area and maybe chase those those birds around.
1: On that note, you know, a couple of years ago, there was an economic report done in South Dakota. Uh, well, in a lot of different states, but South Dakota was just one of them that talked about, you know, what is the value of a... So we talk about VPA HIP, this Voluntary Public Access and Habitat Incentive Program, part of the farm bill. We're working on trying to get more money for that right now so we can open up even more acres in more states, um, you know, th- through... Through through the federal government, through uh, through the farm bill itself, and that specific report for South Dakota showed that for every dollar of VPA HIP funding spent in South Dakota, there was a there was a twelve twelve dollar return. Wow! So that's talk I mean, about a return on your investment, right? Absolutely, I'll take twelve to one. Yeah, on no, now. exactly, <laughs> and that's that's across the board of you know. It's, it's helping the rural economies, right? It's helping, you're, you're paying, paying landowners, and we should be, you know, Pheasants mm-hmm. Forever recognizes that, that we, we should be paying landowners to open quality habitat to access. Um, so you're, you're getting that out of it. You're getting, hunters are coming in and, and using those because we're creating, creating more birds at the same time. And they're going to the mom and pop stores, the gas stations, the restaurants, the mm-hmm. hotels, and spending their money. And then that's, that's what makes it easier for us uh, Pheasants Forever and our chapters and our partners to, to go to those communities and say, Hey, we're helping, we're helping bring this in. Let's create even more acres. And that's, that's where you get the community buy-in. And that's, that's sort of the, um, the sticking point, I guess, for this community-based habitat access program—it's—it's it's the way of the future, and this this path program and what we've got going on here—and and built through, um, you know, Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition—it's—it's it's all coming to a head now, and I, I think you're going to see a lot more of this in the future, which is great.
0: So I'm going to circle back to the goal, mm-hmm. Jake. So take it from there, because you were heading that that direction.
2: Yep. So again, what does Path do? Quality habitat public access, bolstering rural South Dakota economies, wildlife abundance, uh, you know, environmental services. Water I mean, quality. Water quality. Soil soil soil, yeah. Soil health, carbon sequestration. You're, you're, you're creating more opportunities for new hunters to take the field. I mean, this is the whole package deal here. Mm-hmm. So our goals started as we're going to raise $250,000 annually to support this program so that we can enroll and impact 10,000 acres. And then beyond that was we're going to do that every year. This is going to be our annual goal. And so, you know, who does that involve? And this is where that local model of mission, we're, we're building that on a statewide scale so that we can pool these resources from many sources together. So chapters, individuals, businesses, you know, uh, community organizations and then of course important corporate partners that are helping further our mission as well enter onyx <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
0: south dakota tourism yeah. right
3: exactly so uh you know the, again picking up on the story it was like man like this is super cool yeah we're gonna be involved south dakota wants to be involved obviously right and then we're thinking like, so, yeah we'll, we'll pitch in and and, and jake and chris said like well this is what it's going to cost to kick it off right and we were sitting on it was actually zach and i were sitting on a zoom call we look at each other and you kind of got that grin and i was like yeah (laughs) i said let's just do the thing right like let's make it happen and
1: you guys must have looked at return on investment there too right because i just don't think there's many places where you can you can put up like Raise our hand. We're gonna put in two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we're gonna get ten. We're gonna get ten thousand acres back out of it, for, yeah. t- for
3: ten years. Well, and that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, and I was gonna ask you about this, like that juxtaposition between permanently protected habitat, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's WPA or walk-in areas, W or not w- walk-in WMA's, WMA's yep. um, versus walk-in areas. Um, obviously, land is not getting any cheaper, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just expensive, but by you know utilizing all these programs right mm-hmm. like we can create a lot of access a lot of acres um, for less money than it would take to permanently protect it. and obviously both are important right. but yep um
1: y- both have a role
3: and the other thing is like obvi- there there's been a surge in hunting and fishing mm-hmm. I- since COVID right and I'm sure you've seen it like places are getting busier mm-hmm. there's there's a lot more people recreating which is fantastic but in the same breath, like to maintain that quality of experience, like we got to do something about it. Yeah, and, and that's not just uh, coming from us as you know, what you guys as Pheasants Forever or 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 me from Onyx, right? That that's I think something every hunter should be thinking yeah. about. Like, don't look look over at Pheasants Forever and all these corporate partners and say, well, you guys do something about it. No, it's really like it's everyone, right? And and I think this with the Path Program that really helps pretty much set the framework for people to h- continue to support.
0: And that's a good segue. And so first, well, let's stop here and say thank you. Right? <laughs> so South, South Dakota Tourism and Onyx stepped up and has covered the that first 250000 initial goal, which was jaw-dropping around the organization. Like, this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, here we have two of our best partners at sea. You know, they're already making investments in the organization, understand the habitat mission, and once again raise the bar. So, sincerest as a public land hunter, as a member of the organization, thank you very much to Onyx. Thank you to South Dakota Tourism. Thank you for, you know, it takes individuals to be Mm -hmm. champions. So, Ben, you know, thank you very much personally for making this happen. You know, it, it, it does segue into the fact that, yeah, we have two partners that have brought us to the goal, but it doesn't stop there. That's that's the goal for 10,000 acres, Jake.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I got to take, you know, that Chris Callis phone call. He <laughs> said, how fast can you get this to me to get to Ben? Then I got to take your phone call, Ben, and call our team and say, how fast can we get this program ready? Because mm-hmm. you won't believe it. Yeah. Um
3: then the cool thing, like while this was happening, you go to the leadership team and ask, you know, our, our executive CEOs, the head of our, our, our GM of our hunt business, and they're like we want to do this. They're like, they look at the look at the acres numbers. They're like, this is not. This is like, where's the, where's the fine print here? Like, ten thousand acres for ten years. Like, mm, this is too good to be true. Huh. I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, and they're like, oh yeah, done. Like, mm-hmm. take care of it. Wonderful. So it like, it, it's like it's super it's amazing to work for an organization that is like oh yeah like we are so invested i mean didn't even think twice so i'm hardcore hunters and hardcore into conservation yeah so cool so proud
2: so what we'll do uh is this this program um i mean if you're listening to this podcast this program has officially launched to the public and uh while our initial goal was two hundred and fifty thousand to support that enrollment of ten thousand acres, as long as we continue to raise the resources needed and there is that demand on the landscape with our landowners for enrollment in this program, you know the sky's the limit. There's no limit in this program as far as the number of acres annually the the limiting factor is making sure that we raise enough resources to support the program and from our conversations with uh you know south dakota game fish and parks personnel our team members i mean there's a lot of interest in the walking air the walking access program but it's not like you're on the landscape you know seeing advertisements about that or at your coffee circles or at your chapter functions necessarily talking about that all of a sudden when path gets out in, in in the wind uh It's going to increase the demand. Mm. And so 10,000 acres, Ben, that's incredible. We're going to do even more this year, too, though.
3: Oh, man, that just gets me fired (laughs) up. Makes me want to go to South Dakota a bunch. (laughs) And,
0: and, you know, we're recording this in in August. And so that's going to all happen super quickly here.
2: Yes. So, um, September 1st, 2023 is when our team and South Dakota Game Fish and Parks are going to officially be ready for enrollment between now and then. Um, you know, folks can still call and inquire. Uh, and of course there's already individuals, landowners that have said, you know, we'd be very interested. Please let us know when, when you're ready. So September 1st, 2023, the official enrollment of the launch of the program, um, You know, Bob, I think what we want to make sure, folks, if you're a landowner or you know a landowner or you're going to go find a landowner and tell them about this, um, lands that are eligible are statewide in South Dakota. But, of course, this is a private lands program, opening those private lands to public access. So, of course, this is for private lands. It's also undisturbed habitat. Uh, So... um, it's either undisturbed habitat that's currently in the landscape, or it might be uh, being restored to that undisturbed uh, habitat. Um, and then also well-managed rangelands. So that's where West River, west of the Missouri River, comes into play. Sharpie um, Country. Sharpie yeah. Country, Yep. Um, and you know there's still pheasants out there. there there's pheasants kid, out there. there, there don't are, kid yourself. There are, yep. There's there's <laughs> but l- it's big a little game. bit different. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it a is a
0: little different habitat. Though. It is.
2: And then there's also going to be some case by case opportunities uh, to open up some landlocked public land through mm. this program as well. Um, now, wh- what do you do next? <laughs> right, and and the team that's uh, you know driving this is our Farm Bill biologist team. So. Uh, Do we want to jump into that, Bob, or should we wait for the end?
0: No, no, that's we're we're heading there. So, if folks, beginning September first, they want to learn more information, how where do they go? How do they find out more?
2: Yeah, they they can go visit with any uh, South Dakota Farm Bill biologist in in an NRCS office, you know, in their local community. Mm-hmm. They can also talk to the South Dakota Game Fish and Parks private lands biologist, who will also be trained in on this program. Um, but the best resource is what, Jared? Oh the website it's going to well, be well i was going to say that i thought you meant like they should call you no i said they can oh.
1: they can call us too and we can get you in touch with the right people okay a- and yep. if you do
0: go on the website go to pheasantsforever.org um, underneath the conservation mm-hmm. tab look for farm bill biologist map you can find our entire south dakota team there
1: yep well, um, we will have a website available it's going to be www.pheasantsforever um, dot .org backslash path Pretty easy.
0: Yeah, and if people are listening to this, individuals, companies like Onyx, maybe foundations, and they want to help contribute to open up the next round of acres, um, how do they get a hold of you? What what should they know, Jake?
2: Yeah, so uh, they should know that my phone is on at all times. Literally, I mean, I think we we were talking late last night and very early this morning, <laughs> just uh, they in this group. Together. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, best two ways to get a hold of me, and, and and my role in this program is 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 rallying, shepherding those resources. Um, so, cell phone number is six zero five eight eight zero one six five nine, and then an email address is j hanson h a n s o n o n o n at pheasants PheasantsForever.org. Yeah. And, um, you know, I do want to share this. There's an opportunity for everyone to take part in this program. So if you're a landowner and, you're, and you've and you thought about, what are my options? Now is the time to go have those conversations. And if you're a chapter, and even if you're a chapter not in South Dakota, but yet you've got members that make that annual pilgrimage to the Pheasant Capital, um, this is a real opportunity to actually create more habitat with support to this program, just like what Onx is doing and what South Dakota tourism is doing, you can create you know one two ten, twenty acres for every twenty five dollar increment amount, and that's, that's a crazy. tangible difference
0: yeah. it it so it, i think it's rightfully so we've given major shout outs to onyx and south dakota tourism deservedly i mean this it this happens because of dollars one more shout out and we've mentioned them south dakota game fish and parks because you think about red tape and government and you that could get hung up pretty easily with a concept like this and this um, south dakota game fish and parks uh um, the shared vision for creating more access and this has all happened within a matter of a couple months <laughs> it, yeah you know, you know all things uh you know it'll there'll be acres on the landscape by this hunting season and that doesn't happen without south dakota game Fish and parks being yeah we're in mm-hmm. we we believe in this too
1: and that that's really something i wanted to hit on bob is that when you look at the beauty of Pheasants Forever and our partners, whether it's whether it's Onyx, South Dakota Tourism, South Dakota Game Fish and Parks, is that the the ability to move and shake on pretty cool ideas such as this? Um, you know, it. We've had a lot of meetings on it, obviously, <laughs> to, to get it out. I mean, we're we're meeting two two three yeah. times a week, a week to get this mm-hmm. off the ground. But I just wanted to illustrate for listeners that. From, from the time, like, this idea came up a while ago, but it really came to fruition three month, three to four months ago. I mean, really started talking about how can, how can we get a program on the ground, and then we got to come up with funding. Enter Onyx, and South Dakota Tourism came in, and right away, boom, you've got $250,000 ready to go. Uh, tailor made for this project Um, and then you know we've got to roll it out so this is all over like a three or four months time span and that's everything from making making the signs to printing them to getting landowner contracts to doing training with our farm bill biologists and our agency partnership staff that's the magic part about being involved with Pheasants Forever, I think, and just the partners that we have um, there. I, I would, I would challenge, there's not many other groups or organizations or places in the country where you can come up with that type of program that fast and delivered on the landscape. And I think that's one of the things that I'm most proud about of, of being a staff member.
3: Yeah. And it's just cool. I mean, and working with, with PF and QF, it's like when you give a donation and, you know, I don't have to bat an eye. I know that money is going to be utilized the best way it mm. can possibly. So it's really cool just to say like. I, I, you know, I will. Here you go. Like I trust you implicitly. So it's a fun, it's a fun it, feeling. You know,
0: it, 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 you know, makes me think to Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic, where Onyx and Final Rise partnered together and created 40x. Yep. Right where it, through contributions through unique hats that you guys made together and throwing a, a kind of a happy hour, you raised twenty five thousand dollars for Build a Wildlife Area campaign to help yep. us generate dollars for permanent land acquisition it also makes me think about coming up next month is the howard k vincent waterfall production area Mm -hmm. which would be um a permanent waterfall production area in southern minnesota right on the iowa border honoring um former president and ceo howard vincent that onyx also <laughs> contributed to yeah. i mean when it comes to um, you know great projects and we make an ask you guys have always been there for us it's, it's really incredible you just keep going down the list so that's
3: geez yeah thank you yeah of course it's like i say it's it's a very nimble organization that that puts money where its mouth is and and creates a visible impact in the landscape so
0: so is there a layer coming of onyx um
3: projects that you guys helped create (laughs) well we've talked about it for sure so um i'm sure it will be coming here i don't know when but yeah (laughs) yeah
0: any any um cats you want to let out of the bag as far as what's coming on the horizon
3: for onyx we've just actually had a number of new releases here in the last uh couple weeks uh, one of the ones actually, Jake and I were looking at this morning was uh, recent imagery. So the thing is, you're looking at your phone, you're looking at the map, and you don't know how old that picture is. Either, mm. That that satellite imagery that you're looking at, it could be, you know, one. It could be six months old. Could be a year. Could even be two or three years old, right? Um, so we we created this this new tool, this new uh, base map, where essentially. Uh, all of the imagery is less than 2 weeks old for the continental wow. US wow that's
0: pretty cool
1: how
3: on earth I, hey, satellites don't, don't ask me man yeah. it's <laughs> You guys can we get a satellite on my home? Can yeah. we see ourselves sitting here wow. on this dirt road right here yeah. every two weeks? Yeah, So it's it's lower resolution. So you're not going to get you can't pin down and look at wow. houses. But um, you know some of the great use cases uh, for bird hunters are you know I can look at a, a pasture or a potential area I'd be say pheasant or sharpie hunting mm-hmm. or something like that, and I can say man this is this maybe was grazed a little too much. The cover's not great.
0: Or you can physically
3: like see, oh, they had corn there this year, yeah. Versus
0: soybeans, versus wheat, you know what the
3: crop is. Yep. Um, Same thing with water levels, right? You know, you Mm -hmm. get uh, drought, excess rain. You can see those water levels on the map. So if you're, what's
0: the name of this layer?
3: So it's recent imagery. So recent imagery. Yep. So if you click in the bottom right corner on your um, your different uh, aerial mapping. Okay you click on that and right underneath you'll see a toggle so for it, recent imagery where it
0: says like 2d hd satellite that yep. it's going to be down there so you'll
3: have it'll go topo or sorry yeah topo hybrid and then air, or satellite and right below that it says recent imagery so that's a really cool one wow. that we're, we're thrilled to thrilled to bring that a lot that'll help a lot of bird hunters grouse hunters mm-hmm. all that kind of thing so
0: Right, grouse. Speaking of grouse, and you you touched on this a little earlier. You mm-hmm. you have a favorite layer. Since we are in the North right? Yep, Northern the, Wisconsin.
1: Anybody who knows me or has listened to this program realizes that I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, I grew up in. We had a cabin in Northwest Wisconsin uh, the whole time I was growing up, and um, hunted the Superior National Forest in Minnesota. I grew up a grouse hunter, and didn't have a dog. I was my own dog. Right, um, <laughs> growing up, and Um, really the, the layer that's made the biggest difference for me, for grouse hunting in the past few years has been the forest disturbance or Mm -hmm. or the tree, tree cutting layer. Uh, People say it differently, but that forest disturbance showing you, you know, when, when that forest was last cut or something went through there, um, I try to find anywhere from that, you know, set seven to ten seven to 10 year, um, time cycle and, Mm -hmm if I can identify one that's way way back off the (laughs) off the beaten path all the better but you know we walk a half mile back to that and I I, that's been one of my successes I think for finding birds is using that layer um because when you get there you're assured that it's it's the right uh age bracket for grouse and for woodcock too yeah so
0: (laughs) you hear the dogs yeah, they. they <laughs> the they, dogs are they, barking. They love. They love that. They love they, that layer too. They, <laughs> they, no, they actually want to go for one more run. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, let, let us round the corner and, and go to closing thoughts. Anything we might have missed about path? Uh, anything you want to bring up um, that, that we miss? And we'll go around the horn. Start with with Ben. First of all, Ben, again, thank you it well for, getting up early driving through a rainstorm today and oh. and doing this it's super fun
3: yeah oh exactly what else? i i there's nothing i'd rather be doing right now than sitting out here and after running the dogs and maybe, maybe I could have a beer here <laughs> almost 11, 1130 in the morning, but I've been up since like two. So <laughs> I don't know the, I don't know the math on that, but, um, yeah, like I say, as an organization, we're, we're just thrilled to be a part of, of this path program. And, and really we want to, um, uh, yeah, just, just create more access for people no matter where they're from doesn't matter you can see you know you can see it all in the app we've got it there um and, and just just provide good times right yeah. provide
0: it's it's really gratifying to see companies that are involved in the outdoor industry that you know invest money in not only the eyeballs right you sponsor the podcast you get a special code to get people involved Which is great that you're supporting the organization, but you're also supporting us because you believe in how an organization like ours can perpetuate the business model that you have. So it creates access, it creates habitat. So there are future generations of hunters. And the vision that your entire team sees, you know, when we bring, you know, walk-in programs like PATH, or permanent land acquisitions like the Howard Vincent WPA. Um, You guys just do it all for us. So thank you very much.
3: Yeah. Well, it's, 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 we're not, we're not playing the short game, right? Like we want to be here to stay. And and in order to do that, um, you know, we can have all the hunters we want, but if we don't have anywhere to hunt, uh, you start to lose the hunters. So it's very, very important. And and if there's any other companies out there, like just, I'll just challenge you to think about that. Right. You know, I know, your business it could be tough obviously there's there's a lot of economics that go yeah. into it but man like just to th- be able to think about the future and help and i know there's a lot of great uh national Corporate sponsors partner, yeah. yeah that that do a fantastic job um but if you're not one i would just really encourage you to to take a look at at pheasants forever and and help out because it's been i mean not only uh, is it very gratifying as as a company uh a spokesman for the company but personally right like Mm. just to be able to to get to know you and and again that that level of trust is is incredible
0: uh folks if if you are a member of pheasants forever and quail forever and are not yet an onyx member a what are you waiting for (laughs) it's a (laughs) tremendous tool um sincerely tremendous tool for the public lands hunter and i'll mention again use the code pfqf and you at onyxhunt.com and you'll get 20 percent off right now um jared closing thought i'm uh,
1: i'm i'm absolutely thrilled and excited that this we're kicking this off and enrollment starting september 1st as we talked about earlier in the podcast um since since that 2013 date when the Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition came around and they began to enroll those acres, mm-hmm. when I go to South Dakota, it, it most of the time it's all that I hunt. I mean I've got all, all those saved in my phone under Onyx with pins. I know exactly where they are. There's a web There's a website for Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition if you want to want to check that out. But um, these, these are acres, number, number one, these are acres that are community-based, which I think is totally cool, mm-hmm. and people, people are helping to get those on the ground. Um, number two, for this new PATH program, you are guaranteed to have a quality experience, and I, I'm not sure that's something that we touched on yet, but haying, haying and grazing on these acres is not allowed, and that's why, that's why we're, we're paying, paying landowners to open up access to quality habitat. And I I think that's a big sticking point for some hunters is you can get to those places So you mentioned that, Mm -hmm. you know, might be hate or graze. Uh, This program is, is not that. So, um, you know, whether it's going to be, it could be CRP, Shelter belts, wetlands, uh, easements, existing grass that hasn't been hayed or grazed. There's a lot of different variables here that we can help uh, to enroll just uh, quality experience for it, experiences for people. Um, you know, access was added in the past two years to our, our mission statement. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time, um, but I, I really think that this, this community based approach. Takes it to a new level. In addition to the permanent habitat protection that we've mm-hmm. been doing since 1982, it's extremely important. And um, you know, for for 25 dollars per acre to enroll for 10 years, I think it's the biggest biggest bang for mm-hmm. the buck that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly excited about it. I know our staff is excited about it. I mean, Jake shared with me we've got we've got people on staff that would be like, Hey, how how can I spon- How can I sponsor a couple acres mm-hmm. out out of my bi-weekly paycheck like that that's how bought in our own staff are on the program that's cool and i think that's absolutely unique and i cannot wait for this to start enrollment and um big kudos to to onyx and uh south dakota tourism and our partners at south dakota game fish and parks this is going to be an absolute home run for access and habitat
0: all right jake we've been talking we we've thanked a lot of people what what have we missed clean up the crumbs tie a bow on the present final words and they're all yours
2: you bet uh i had on my final words here in my in my little notes my cheat sheet mm-hmm. you know to again thank ben <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right easy easy <laughs> so what i'll do is I'll, I'll i'll steer that um what's unique about this organization and all that i've been a, an employee for a couple of years is the is the collaboration that we got here today because of collaboration between all of the many moving parts within our our organization from accounting to marketing you know conservation delivery development i mean all of these individuals on these teams have come together to create this program and it's remarkable and so there's there's got to be gratitude expressed uh to that team to those teams Especially to the South Dakota mm-hmm. leadership team, Matt um, Gottlieb, Matt Gottlieb, our state coordinator, our senior Farm Bill biologists, um, and then the rest of our South Dakota conservation team as well. Um, when we, when Matt Morlock, our our prior state coordinator, and I would start to dream about this over phone calls, late night drives, mm-hmm. one of the things that we said our vision for this program was: when you think of Path, you think of the best places to hunt in mm. south dakota mm. because of that quality undisturbed habitat and because those are the places that hold abundant wildlife mm. that's the goal here and that's not that hasn't changed so these acres that we're putting on the landscape and path are going to be the places that you're going to tell your friends about and, and i think i'll leave it with this is that this is a significant chance to be a part of this right now you know, whether, again, you're a chapter, whether you are an avid pheasant hunter, whether you are an avid conservationist, whether you're a business owner, and everyone else in between, and I think the tangible return on that investment in support of this program is is remarkable. And so the question is, how many acres are you going to create? <laughs> yeah. How many acres are you going to make uh, happen in South Dakota, and now is the time? Jay. Hansen, O
0: N at pheasantsforever dot org. Let's go create some more acres.
2: Let's rate, let's create the next ten thousand. Thanks Onyx and South Dakota Tourism for the first ten thousand. Let's go make another ten thousand.
0: Hell yeah! Why oh, stop there? Right on, fellas. Thanks very much. It was really, really fun uh, running dogs with you and breaking this news, folks. If you want to learn more, go to PheasantsForever.org. dot org. And I'm sure as you're listening to this, it'll be um, splashed over the front of the website and um, you can learn more Um, you want to learn more if you're a landowner in South Dakota drop to the conservation tab um, to the farm bill biologist page and look up the map of all of our farm bill biologists in the state of South Dakota I am Bob St. Pierre thanking you very much for listening thanking Onyx one more time (laughs) South Dakota tourism and South Dakota game fish and parks pheasant capital of the country for a reason Hell yeah. Let's go chase some roosters. I'm Bob St. Pierre reminding you to always follow the dog. Something good will rise, folks. Thank you.